Welcome to your Right to Speak discussions on social justice and advocacy. This is episode 40, and I'm your host, Salvatore. On today's episode, we'll be talking with Rosa, who is a young person. Rosa came up to me uh, a few weeks ago about this idea of the episode um, about talking about being of mixed ethnicity and her lived experience. I've known Rosa for some time now, and I know she's very, very passionate about this topic, and I'm very excited to have her on the show today. Rosa, would you like to introduce yourself? Hi, my name is Rosa. I'm 18, and I am mixed with Indian and white, and I am British, so it's always fun. (laughs) Rose, I'm very excited to have you on the show. Um, Thank you for having me. Well, thanks for being here. We're going to do what uh, is in your right to speak fashion and just dive right into the questions and uh, we'll see where this conversation takes us. Yay. Are you ready for it? I hope so. (laughs) So to start off, could you explain what are some of the challenges you faced of being of mixed ethnicity? Being mixed is definitely a very interesting place to be, um, culturally and racially. Um, There's definitely a certain type of racism you experience when Mm -hmm. you're mixed and you live your life very much on a solo basis. When you're, you know, a certain culture, you, for instance, are Italian, you Mm -hmm. can identify with your Italian heritage and your Italian group. I, on the other hand cannot with either of my heritages just because neither group particularly wants me and that's something I have to face on an everyday basis um so that's always interesting and there's definitely a certain type of racism Mm -hmm. that people don't really understand um I know for a fact that my mother doesn't understand and not neither of my parents do um you'll get certain looks like for instance I, this was like years ago, I was with my dad and I was at his place of work, which was a motel at the time, and the receptionist was there and I was just sitting there and I was just like, oh, I'm waiting for my dad. So she says, okay, and then my dad walks in and there's a look of horror on that person's face that a white man could have a brown child, which is always fun to look at. Mm -hmm. Do you find that some of the racism comes from um, both sides of your ethnicity. So from like being Indian and white, do you find that within one culture you're getting some racism and then in another one you're getting another type of racism as well? Yeah, that I experience that every day. So I'll be with a bunch of Indians and I'll say, oh, I'm actually Indian as well. And there's a look of horror in their faces because I'm too white to be Mm -hmm. Indian. And then I'll be with a group of white people and I'll say, oh, I'm white. I'm, you know, mixed with white and Indian. And there'll be a look of horror of, you couldn't possibly be white. You're brown. Does it make it hard to kind of, um, I don't know the proper way of saying it, but kind of embracing both, both ethnicities in terms of like traditions and stuff? Yeah. I mean, I come from a place where I don't particularly know Indian traditions, which Mm -hmm. is very strong within the Indian community. My mum was born in Kenya, so there's that disconnect between me and the Indian culture, which is always very difficult to deal with. It sounds like there's 
like it sounds like society has placed you in this kind of like middle ground where yeah. you're really not able to you're kind of boxed in you're not yeah. able to kind of navigate through it yeah we're living in a society where more and more nowadays people are having mixed children mm-hmm. which is all great and fun love and interracial relationships but for the majority of my life no in fact for all of my life there's this gray area of middle ground when neither party particularly wants to have me or embrace me as being Indian or white, but I'm still here and neither one are accepting of me. Right. Yeah. So it's kind of like intercultural racism in a sense. If that, yeah. I don't know if I just made that up, but... <laughs> I, it describes it perfectly. Yeah. So. <laughs> well, look at that. We may have just made up a new word. Mm. <laughs> um. I want to dig a little bit deeper in terms of, because we have a lot of listeners from social services and uh, who work with young people. So I think it's important to kind of capture this end of it. You know, when you're working with, you know, CYCs or social workers, have you faced certain stigmas um, or challenges of being mixed? And what does that look like? There's definitely a place where they don't understand what's happening a lot of the people they'll deal with will be one culture Mm -hmm. and so they won't understand the fact that when you are a mixed child and i'm not saying that every mixed child feels this way but particularly for me and for other people that i know it is a constant identity crisis you are facing the fact that yes you're one like ethnicity but you're also another ethnicity and People don't really understand that, and that's something that does need to be understood. And you have to kind of explain that to your CYWs. And oftentimes they won't understand that, because they'll just say, um, they'll like slip or slap a post-it note and say, you're this, and you're not. Right. Because while you may be that, you're also something else that just you don't quite understand. I, I mean, the other piece of it, there's a lot of talk for years in social services and around like race in general that like you know being of a certain ethnicity you shouldn't have to educate other people about it yeah they should take it upon themselves to really kind of because it gets very draining right Mm -hmm. um have you faced that have you uh, have you felt that it's been a challenge to kind of explain to certain workers of the feelings that you're going through? Yeah, I mean, that definitely is an issue. Every interaction you have, you do have to explain this kind of stuff to people. And especially to CYWs, it does take a lot of energy. And because you get to know these people on a close, intimate relationship, Mm -hmm. that experience there is a need to understand both sides of you because there's not just one culture you they have to deal with it's both and we want people like every culture we don't want to have to explain it over and yeah. over again but being mixed means you have to explain it twice as much mm-hmm. because it's such a difficult topic yeah. to understand i mean that must be incredibly frustrating yeah I've had so many conversations about race and being mixed 
and having to educate people on what it's like to be mixed and it's exhausting at times you just want people to say okay we understand and we accept it automatically but obviously people have their biases so they don't understand such a complicated issue or even making comments that you know um you're around certain people who are one ethnicity or um who are racialized and that's okay and even side comments that people think are just funny or just nothing has a deep impact of people saying for instance i look more i don't even look indian and i don't look white Mm -hmm. i look Portuguese or Spanish Mm -hmm. or some people even saying Mexican. Mm -hmm. I don't understand why people get these, but that's what they see. Um, Yeah. Our first... I've had lots of conversations with people about the fact that I don't look neither Indian nor white. Mm -hmm. And they say, okay, well, we're not going to judge you based on that. We want your personality and that. But the problem with saying that is that our first interactions and our first judgment of people isn't their sexuality or their personality or the thoughts they have. It's what is their skin color? What do they look like? And things like that. I mean, it it even sounds like that, like when we have like social workers or CYCs working with youth who are mixed, you know, it's, and they're not understanding it. It makes identity that much more difficult. Yes. And so I think my next question for you is, have you found that there's certain workers that have been more effective that you've worked with um, that have taken certain approaches? Or have you found that like kind of blanketly, it's still a struggle across the board? Blanketly, there's always going to be that struggle. I have found that with once in a while I'll come across a worker who will actually sit down and listen and try to understand and even if they don't fully understand it's always nice to know that they've actually taken that time to sit down and understand at least a little bit of what it's like but there's just a blanket of oh this is what that person's like Mm -hmm. and this is that and that's just a daily crusade to have to prove that oh this is what I'm actually also like as well because it's two sides of a person and you may see one side you may see you know the fact that I'm Indian more but I'm also having to defend the fact that oh yes I'm also white and British and I have this heritage as well and it's the same vice versa I mean I can just yeah I mean it to me my issues like my long-running issue with social services is there's a lot of workers out there that are really not putting themselves in the headspace to really understand, you know, some of these issues yeah. or to understand these issues. And there's always, well, we've had conversations. I don't know if I explained to you that, you know, I work from a culture of humility perspective, mm-hmm. right? And that perspective is saying that everyone sees their own culture individually, Yeah. right? And also understanding that there's certain privileges and power imbalances that come in certain relationships. So I am that white person that lives in Vaughn, but it's important when me and you have our conversations every now and then that 
I recognize that. Mm-hmm. And I recognize that I'm bringing that into our space, right? Yeah. But also understanding that how you see your own culture, you know, on both sides is very individualized. Yeah. Culture is very... Culture isn't, I find, an individual thing, mm-hmm. but it is a mass thing as well. So having to navigate that as well. So, for instance... I'll find a group of Indian people who will completely accept the fact that I'm Indian. But then there'll be another group of Indian people, like, down the line, who won't accept the fact that I'm Indian. Mm -hmm. At all. And it's unacceptable, the fact that I could possibly have the same culture and heritage as them. So how do you navigate through, you know, these systems? How do you... Is there a way that you have navigated it, or...? It's definitely difficult to navigate. It's often just about pushing through and having to explain. And if those people are saying, oh, you can't possibly be Indian, you just kind of have to let it go and say, okay, so to them I'm not Indian, so I'm going to have to be white to them. And it's not helpful, and it doesn't make you personally feel great about yourself. But it is just saying, okay, so this is who I am to them and understanding that this is the position they have put you in and you're going to have to accept it because no matter how hard you try, you can't convince them of the fact that you're actually Indian because it's of their own biases. Mm -hmm. And just understanding people's perceptives. I mean, when I hear that, though, it kind of, and I understand that space, but it, it kind of is disheartening that you have to go through that because you're kind of turning down one part of your identity, right? Yeah. But then, while that's happening, you can, like, and it's the same for white, being white as well. It goes both ways. But while that's happening, you can also identify with the other part, which in another situation, people say, oh, you're not good enough for that, and you can identify the other part. So in those situations, you can say, oh, I'm proud to be the other part just as much as I'm proud to be Indian, mm-hmm. if that makes sense. Yeah, yeah, it does. Um, I Oh, I just lost my train of thought. That's always fun when that happens mm-hmm. on the show. <laughs> Lots of fun. Yeah. Um, shoot, I just had a question. It was a follow-up. Is it going to come back to me? Hmm. Okay, yes. So, <laughs> it came back. <laughs> Yay! Um, you know, I, I'm not. I hope I don't know entirely what the opinions of our my listeners are, mm-hmm. but if we happen to have someone you know listening and saying, "Well, she's half white. Mm-hmm. She doesn't really understand the stigmas that mm-hmm. other racialized people go through." Mm-hmm. What would you say to that? I'm also half Indian, mm-hmm. and I don't look white. I mean, in the winter time, I definitely look like I have jaundice which is always fun, Um, but I am, I don't look white, and I don't particularly look Indian either, but I do look like a person of colour, and you can definitely see that on my skin, that I have the experience, and I've lived through those experiences of having to be a person of colour, it's definitely interesting when you're half white as well, because I grew up with my dad taught me to have the privileges of a white person, my mm-hmm. father's white, and he taught me to live with that and that I deserve those privileges. But I'm also, my mum taught me we will never get these privileges because you are not white. So mm-hmm. it's that in-between place of 
I have that privilege, but I also don't have that privilege. My heart is telling me, and my he my heart is telling me, well, I'm white, so I should have these privileges as well. But my skin color is saying, nope, you don't get those privileges. I mean, it sounds like it's a lifelong struggle, yeah, right, to really navigate through the boxes I would say society kind yeah. of places, which is unfortunate. Um, I think, yeah. Uh, I was going down my list of questions, and today's been a long day for me, Rosa. <laughs> um, I, you know, uh, what advice would you give someone who is mixed and who is facing some of the same uh, challenges as you? I'd say to just keep trudging on. Mm -hmm. It's definitely a, sh and to understand that it's going to be a struggle. Um, cultures, as I view it, is like a circle and you're embraced in that and you're loved in that. But when you're mixed, you may not always be part of that circle. You may always spend your entire life on the outer circle looking mm. in. And that's something where you're going to have to say, at least I think, okay, I'm going to have to find my own community now. People who will embrace me for both sides and say we love you for both of that. I mean, it really, you know, I think a community that you are a part of mm -hmm. is the mixed community. Yeah. Right? And I know there's issues within that. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. And every mixed person has their own. Yeah ideas of what it means to be mixed. I know some mixed people who absolutely love being mixed, who think of it as best, like double everything. And I know a lot of mixed people who say, well, no, it's not like that for us. We don't get double everything. We get an eighth of everything. Mm -hmm. So yeah, that's fair. Um, what, I mean, I hate to put the onus on you, mm -hmm. and but I, I'm just curious of what advice would you give certain uh, social workers or CYCs working with someone who's mixed? I think the best thing you can do is just to sit down and listen, mm -hmm. because you will never understand the trouble and the hoops you have to go through when you're mixed and oftentimes it feels like 10 times more than other people because it's just the way the cookie crumbles I guess it's a double whammy it's a, a double yeah. whammy you get hit both sides all the time and just sit down and listen um because you're not going to understand it fully but mm -hmm. to give that time to that person and say I may not understand it but I'm going to sit down and listen and do my best I think that's the greatest thing you could give to someone. I mean, it sounds like the takeaway message mm -hmm. uh, from what you're saying today is that it's really understanding that everyone should be seen individually. Yeah. And the listening piece yeah. sounds like it's very important. And just to be felt like you're heard. Yeah. I mean, I've had plenty of experiences where people won't listen. I've had conversations about race where someone says, I feel like I'm pushed into a culture, which is all fair to their own and mm -hmm. everyone's experiences. 
but you can feel pushed into a culture and loved by these people while I find that being mixed I'm constantly being pushed out and I'm always not good enough for them and so for someone to sit down and listen and actually not complain and not try and make an argument out of it mm. is delightful because they're accepting of the fact that I have my own issues of being mixed and I have to deal with these and that someone is willing to listen about what these issues possibly are that they don't face on an everyday level. Right. Um, we're, we got to wrap up soon. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm going to ask you the trademark question. <laughs> Ooh, fun. What does advocacy mean to you? Again, definitely listen, listening. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that's just the main thing of being mixed. And advocating for mixed people is defending them when you see cases of people being racist or not understanding and having their biases and defending the fact that their point of view is very much different from what anyone will ever experience. Mm -hmm. And we are starting to live in a society more today where there are more mixed people and educating people on the life of being mixed. I, I'm fine to leave it there. That's a, I mean, you know, I'm very, I've learned from this conversation. Um, so it's always a pleasure sitting down and talking with you about this stuff. Thank you so much for having me. (laughs) Yeah, it's been great. Um, before we end, Mm -hmm. is there anything else you want to say, uh, for the listeners? Just, I hope this educates some people Mm. on being mixed. We are starting to live in a society again, where this will become an everyday thing. There won't be someone who's just pure one, um, one culture or another. So hopefully we'll have a society one day where all cultures are accepted and everyone will be embraced. I think that's a great way to end the episode, Rosa. Thank you again for being on the show. Thank you for having me. It's always a pleasure to talk about this stuff with you. I know you're very passionate about it. Your Right to Speak will be posted on the second Wednesday of every month. If you're a child or youth that would like to be on the show, or if you have an idea of what topic we should be talking about, uh, you can email me at yourrighttospeak at gmail.com. That's Y-O-U-R-R-I-G-H-T-T-O-S-P-E-A-K at G-M-I-A-L dot C-O-M. Let's raise awareness together.